When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we finally have a beautiful weekend. You know, nice and hot, but uh, not not uh, too hot, not too much humidity. So let's think positively. Abilities wither under fault finding. Blossom under encouragement for all you managers out there. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. That was Thomas Jefferson, uh, one of my heroes. Anyway, uh, you know, we always uh, begin the show talking about our webpage because um, it's kind of central to what we do. And it's got some great information on there. Uh, you know, uh, Bob Dickey, our head technical analyst, has a, a piece on there every day. The technical analysis, obviously, uh, daily. We also have a weekly newsletter and some good stuff on cybersecurity, et cetera, that uh, I think you'll really like. So if you Google Tim Hayes Radio or you Bing Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. <laughs> and you know it's me because underneath my picture it says, uh, remember, buy low, sell high. Um, there is some really good stuff on data breach and, and how to protect yourself, and I highly recommend that. Uh, I think I've read that article probably 10 times, and uh, you know it's something that you need to know. We also have a, a newsletter. Uh, August came out with a new one, um, Three Ways to Play Defense in Your Stock Portfolio. Well, I don't know if that's – I mean, I think we might have a pullback, but not, not much. Key estate planning documents and uh, – just I had several people email me this week on those, you know, asking me, do you have them? Um, and what's new in the college world? And what are the warning signs of financial scams? Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times uh, I have older clients and they're getting if if they give money to one of the police organizations or something like that, they call them relentlessly. It's it's um, to the point where um I've called those people and said, cease and desist, you know, that type of thing. Um, it's it's bad what it is. So anyway, uh, there's a great piece out, and I I can't tell you, there's two pieces I would highly recommend getting. Uh, one is rewriting retirement. <clears throat> if you're 40 or above, this is the best piece I've seen on retirement probably in my career. Uh, it's about 30 pages, 40 pages maybe, and it's got, uh, you know, it explores the shifting mindset of a new generation of retirees. You know, uh, it's the baby boomer generation and it's going big. The other thing I would mention is, you know, we, we have a whole bunch of stuff out there that we can send to you. The healthcare conference. Hey, I had a stock up $26 on Friday, $26 from the healthcare conference news. Uh, uh, you know, the, it's a two day, uh, um, seminar that we had. And I have both days, and and one was up twenty six bucks on Friday, and I own some, so there we go. Uh, also, we have our best ideas list, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. That's <clears throat> there's only a couple stocks on that uh, that list that I'd probably buy right now because uh, a lot of them are interest rate sensitive, and I think you know interest rates are going to pop up. Uh, I don't think. I don't think the Fed lowering rates is going to have the reaction that we think it's going to. That's my opinion. Uh, and then our ADR list, we're starting to see some, uh, that's American depository receipts. So it's foreign stocks that trade on the New York Stock Exchange. So you don't have to worry about currency and that type of thing. 
And there's a three or four that are on that list that are starting to move. So highly recommend that. All right. So coastline counties of the United States located uh, along the country's saltwater edges account for just 245 of the nation's 342, uh, 3,142 counties, yet contain 29% of the population. How's that? 29.5% or a million working women held at least a bachelor's degree in the first quarter of 2019, compared to 29.3 million men. William still make, women still make up less than half, or 46.7% of the workforce. So there's a lot of ladies out there that aren't using their uh, their bachelor's degree, number one. And between June 20, uh, 2018 and May 2019 was the wettest 12 months in the contiguous U.S. since record-keeping began in 1895. Bloomberg reports American farmers are being forced to buy pricey new equipment to deal with unpredicted weather. Farmers have uh, had to plant earlier and faster, which requires larger equipment and riskier, uh, you know, more labor-intensive strategies. By the way, you know, just to give you an idea how wet it was, they said that the the overage of what we're over the wettest year in history is two-thirds of the snowfall that we normally get in a year. That's what we're over, you know? So, wow, big times. Okay, so, you know, I... I, I Bill Gates had a great quote this week, and he said, headlines, in a way, are what mislead you, because bad news is a headline, and gradual improvement is not. And that's very, very true. And and people ask me why I look at charts, and, you know, it's it's because I want to see how they react. I want to see what they're doing. I don't want to see what they're saying. Okay? You know, you don't know if a guy in Barron's is telling you the truth or the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But if I could see what reaction the stock has, I don't care. Because <laughs> if the stock reacts positively to bad news, something's changing. All right? So I thought that was a good note by uh, uh, Bill. You know, there was a thing by Charlie Daniels. You don't know who he is. He's a fiddle player. The Charlie Daniels band. And I'm just going to read this very, very uh, quickly. He says, young people have fallen for utopia. Utopian lie that government is the answer. Uh, and he talks about a free nation, a prosperous, thriving nation that sits at the very pinnacle of international pyramid of privilege, security, and opportunity. They've become convinced that the nation that gives them this piece of prominence or this place of prominence simply by the virtue of being born here is corrupt and has gained its high standing by using deprivation and repression to hold down the unfavored classes and has used military might unfairly. To, to nation build and occupy, there's a danger in the wind. The future of the nation is in dire jeopardy in coming years. And if you, uh, this is, uh, it's on CNS News. And if you could get this, it's a, it's a commentary by Charlie Daniels, a couple pages long. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. You know, free college, it's, it's, I think is ridiculous. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. So everybody's been talking about the the Fed Reserve. They're you know they're meeting next week. They're going you know, supposedly going to cut interest rates. Although with the numbers coming out, I don't know see how they can. But you know they meet July the thirtieth and thirty first. And uh, in the last twenty five years, when rate cuts have been used to stabilize a relatively strong economy, the market has gone on to produce gains. And and the key to the outcome has been whether the cuts occur in response to a large cyclical imbalances that could result in recession or whether the cut seeks to balance a relatively solid economy that faces challenges. 
So the Fed has made its first cut, and leading indicator, uh, um, and leading indicators was positive, as it is today. The returns have been positive in the uh, instance since 1971 over the next three, six, and nine and twelve months. Market declines following cuts in 2001 and 2007 transpired after the tech uh, bubble burst and the financial crisis occurred. So, uh, but today's economy. And, and the strong innovation may resemble 95 or 98 when the underlying growth in the, in the innovation was strong. But there were some hiccups in the economy. Um, we had the Asia currency crisis in 1998 that caused the Fed to loosen uh, uh, credit. And they had five straight interest rate hikes in 1995. So uh, you, you don't know, but uh, it's something to think about. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is, is something that you have to be thinking about because, Look, why are they doing this, and and you know what what's the the thought process behind it? I, I think is important. And one of the things they're trying to do is get themselves back and more in line with Europe. And uh, so, but if if you look at the rate cuts, you know maybe it's because of the global imbalance that they're trying to. Uh, because look, there's four countries that have negative interest rates. You think they're gonna? You think they're gonna buy their government bonds? So they can pay the government 25 or a quarter of a point? I don't think so. They're going to buy U.S. bonds. And so it really screws up monetary policy when you have everybody wanting your bonds just because it's a, it's a strong currency and it's a, uh, uh, you know, a, a scenario where you can't get anything from your, your own bonds. But, you know, one of the things I did notice, and I thought this was kind of interesting, is with this talk about the bonds is one of the areas in domestic in, uh uh, equities that has shown some near-term improvement is the financial sector, and uh, it it possesses a score over three in the uh, dynamic asset level investing. So that's a positive thing when it gets over three. So what we're seeing is is um, we could break a double top on the the financial unit, uh, which is you know a symbol you can't get on your computer, but I can. Uh, if it broke seventy eight, and the long-term bullish percent for finance just turned up also, so that's uh, a big positive. Uh, now, I, I also noticed the five-year yield sector uh, yield is in a secular uptrend. We just had we broke above the base. Now we've pulled back to the base, so it'll be interesting to see if we hold. If we do, I think the five-year yield will be heading north. Okay, so uh, leave it at that. Now, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is uh, a little bit of financial planning here at the end. And that is understanding your cash flow. You know, we've been talking about how to manage your balance sheet uh, last week, and we talked about your debits. But look, if you don't understand what your monthly expenses and monthly income are, you got a problem. So sit down on with a piece of paper. And I, you know, I've been <laughs> my wife and I have been uh, at odds because she does she pays the bills because uh, she wants to. But I I ask her for a balance sheet all the time, and I I don't get it, and uh, it makes me a little crazy. Uh, but you know, here's my income, here's what I make every month and here's my monthly expenses. It's a simple process. And so when, when you want to use credit to strategically, you know, use leverage to strategically enhance your portfolio, whether it's in, uh, real estate or whether it's, you know, in the equity markets, whatever it may be to buy the, a house down, in Florida or a house in, you know, wherever you want a vacation. I just had some people uh, go out to Montana and buy a place or Wyoming. I'm sorry. It was Wyoming, Jackson hole. Uh, and so they, they borrowed some money and, and uh, 
they we did uh, a, you know we looked at their monthly bills and their and their statements and we had we had plenty of money okay so look uh, we do we do make loans off of uh, portfolios and it's important because it what it does is it allows you to leverage things without using margin. Now you are using margin to a certain degree, but they give you a lot more leverage with a line of credit than they do with a, with a margin balance. So it's something to think about. And I, and I, I think it's important that you, you know, you use credit strategically, obviously, uh, like all financial strategies, there are risks associated with credit. But if, believe me, a lot of people have become very, very wealthy on credit and it's, it's something to think a look at. So uh, we have a nice book out called the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. If you'd like it, you know, once again, uh, either call us 888-223-7742 or go to my webpage. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in to the Smart Investor Show, I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, relative strength buy signals for a long, long time on the show. And all of it, what, what is relative strength? Relative strength just says your stock is doing better than its group and the rest of the market. So it's peers and the rest of the market. So we're looking at two relative strength buy signals. And uh, we're, this comes from our friends Dorsey Wright in, in Virginia. And so a relative strength buy signal, I know in Invest Business Daily, what they're looking for is stocks that turn up over 80 in their relative strength, okay? So there are there's 10 ways to look at relative strength technically. And, you know, it, they're, they're all important because relative strength is important technically. And what we're trying to do on this show is to tell you, hey, you got to buy fundamentals, but you also got to add the technicals to it. Believe me, everybody else is. <laughs> uh, especially if they're starting to see the fundamentals improve, they're looking at the technos as to when to buy. So they know what to buy. It's when to buy. And look, I talk about Danaher. Uh, Danaher has, has been on relative strength buy signals since basically June 9th of 1993. That's a long time. It's been a home run shot since then, by the way. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's done really, really well. And I, I looked at all the stocks that had 10 year plus uh, relative strength buy signals <clears throat> and 32% of them were industrials. 3% were in real estate. 10% were in tele, uh, technology, 1% in telecom, uh, 6% in basic utilities or basic materials, 14% in consumer cyclicals, uh, 9% in consumer non-cyclicals, 13% in financials. Uh, by the way, that 13% was concentrated in five stocks. And nine in healthcare, and that was concentrated in twenty-two stocks. So, I mean, there's a lot of names. I've got one, two, three, four, five, five and a half pages, uh, and they're still on relative strength, uh, you know, scenarios. So, one's a local company, uh, one's a company I've talked about quite a bit on the show. Um, but there are a lot of names here that you would you would that would stand out to you, okay, and. Uh, uh, what I, what I think is very interesting is that some of them, uh, have just been absolute home run shots. Uh, and, and I can't mention any names, but I own about half of these. <laughs> uh, so there, there we go. Uh, anyway, so it's very important that you look at relative strength because be honest with you, 
a lot of stocks are duds. I mean, small caps, ever since they started this quantitative tightening back in 2014, uh, they've been duds. I've owned some, you know, and I, I, there have been good news on, on the stocks, and they go nowhere. Because there is no marginal dollar. When they start taking $50 billion out a month out of the economy and sending it back to Treasury, never to be heard of again, uh, that's the marginal dollar for small caps, which, uh, you know, look, this is the first time for everybody through quantitative tightening. All right, we've just been through quantitative easing. Now we're going through quantitative tightening. And none of us seen it before. So there's a reason why I keep talking about small caps being cheap, but I'm not yelling and screaming to buy them yet because, you know, they were supposed to stop quantitative tightening in March. They took out $26 billion in April. They took out 57 in May. It took out 37 in June. We don't have the, the July numbers yet. Uh, but, you know, the St. Louis, you get this in the St. Louis Fed letter, by the way, if you, if you, uh, uh, grab it. So, uh, look, there's 62,000 stocks traded in more than 40 countries. Uh, they're finding, there was a finding by a guy named Hendrik Bessembinder. Uh, he's a 62 year old researcher and he found that about 60% of the stocks were duds that did worse than the one month treasury note, uh, over a year. So, the you know, you got to start to look at the technicals and say, you know, and by the way, sometimes the technicals are wrong too. I mean, I, I had improved fundamentals. I had analysts recommend a couple things. I had insider buys. I had technical calls. And they still they still turned out bad because of what the Fed did last fall. Uh, one was an oil stock. One was a drug stock. Okay. And pretty smart people bought them. Uh, you know, Paul Singer, Her- uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, the insiders bought a ton and, and they still got burned. So it, it's difficult enough to find these stocks, but if you're not using technical analysis, you're probably not going to find them. So, um, you know, large cap domestic equity uh, indices are all trading at near term highs and on a potential of uh, a more accommodating spread, uh, Fed, I'm sorry. And seemingly uh, rational fears such as headline risks of trade wars, an upcoming presidential election, or global politics, to name a few issues can make the markets uh, difficult to interpret sometimes. So, uh, you know, we have more information in our fingertips than ever before, and sometimes it's misinformation. I think you got to be, you know, thinking about that, you know, a little bit of, uh, um, well, let's put keep your mindset. Now, look, one of the things that I think is important, with this lower interest rate, this may help the cyclicals and it may help the small caps, okay, because this is the first time we've actually lowered rates in probably six years, okay, almost six years. So I, what I was looking at is, uh, you know, I've looked at some of the momentum ETFs and small caps and, and uh, also, uh, you know, that type of thing, and I think there's a sweet spot shopping list here. Uh, and I'm seeing, well, look, um, if I look at portfolios right now, uh, there's not very much money in small caps at all. It's the, I mean, Look, this year we've taken $250 billion out of the market. Taken out of uh, mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera. It's, it's gone out of the market and it's not coming back while the market's going up. So once again, the retail investor and even some of the institutional investors are befuddling me because, hey, things are good and they're pulling out. What happens when things are bad? You know? So we have this sweet spot, and then the small cap index is it's up about eleven percent year to date. So it's 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 behind the S and P five hundred by about you know nine eight nine percent. Uh, 
but it does show that there's a lot more momentum picking up in some of these small caps. So I am seeing, I looked at my favorite sector page, and, and precious metals is the top group. You know, we, we sent an email out to you uh, if you were on my list a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then it's telecommunications, uh, Wall Street, aerospace, semiconductors, and waste management uh, are, are the next ones you should be looking at. So um, there's not too many other, I mean, there's a lot of uh, groups that are unfavored, and we'll just leave it at that. So, look, there's a rare uh, phenomena brewing in the stock market right now, and I think this is something uh, that's interesting. You know, not only our strategists are saying this, but J.P. Morgan's quantitative strategist, Marco Kal- uh, Kalinovic, uh, and, and Ms. Calcivina, who's our, uh, you know, uh, head strategist, you know, they think there's a, a, a big time, and now he's a, quant, a quantitative guy, but she, they're saying the same thing. There's that there's an unprecedented divergence between various market segments, segments, and it offers a once in a decade opportunity to position for the convergence. And the position comes against a relatively muted outlook for the broader stock market. Uh, like, you know, we, we've only got, we've got a target of 3,100. They, they got a target of 3,200. Uh, so that's, a, you know, a six and a half percent gain on their part, and a three and a half percent gain in ours. You know, we've, we're up 20% almost so far, but look, the divergence between value cyclical stocks on one side and the defensive stocks on the other and is big. And the other thing is, is that the small caps to large caps, there's a huge, huge, uh, divergence. So the point is the gap between value stocks and low volatility stocks is unusually wide. While there's also a secular trend of value becoming cheaper and volatility stocks becoming more expensive due to the decline in the yields. Okay, so that's that's interesting too. So the bubble of low volatility stocks versus value stocks is now more significant than any rally, relative valuation uh, the equity market has experienced in modern history, is what uh, they say at J.P. Morgan. So uh, you know it's it's something to think about. Okay, uh, you know we've been talking value versus growth uh, and you know, I, I think low volatility stocks. We're talking about the, the, you know, the the prime income list. So there's some of those that, like I said, you don't want to uh, be messing around with. So, look, I, I I'd like to reiterate my view that equities likely uh, see a strong boost from a Fed Fed cut when when the market's been good and the economy's good. When the Fed has cut rates, uh, we've had a positive three, six, and eight, uh, nine, and twelve months move. So. Um, you know, I, I think the S and P 500 will probably pull away a little bit further, uh, but I would I would like to see the small caps participate, even start to lead. Uh, I think that it, it'll have a positive impact on cyclicals versus defensives, especially the bond surrogates. Let me say that again, especially the bond surrogates. Okay, so uh, now. Growth over value is still there. So, uh, you know, we don't see anything changing yet. The, the, the discrepancy is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and large is over small for now. Okay. So gold, gold is gaining trackage, track, uh, traction as a hedge. I'll just say that. So, uh, right now I would focus on semi, I, I mean, on sector rotation. Look, none of the fangs are hitting new highs. Yet we're hitting new highs, but Coca Cola is, Procter Gamble is. Okay. Uh, so, you know, think about that. So the safety defense type of uh, uh, scenario is, is peaking, I think, uh, you know, because I'm seeing utilities at the top of their trend line and staples are hitting new highs, but their relative strength's not picking up. So that that's kind of interesting. Financials are looking really interesting. And 
Also, you know, the Russell 2000, if we could get some relative performance versus the S&P 500, we, we could be up for a big thing. But I think the big story is the cyclicals versus defensive group. Uh, that's That looks like it could pick up drastically. Um, bond yields are very oversold. I think there could be a pop there. The dollar has broken the short-term uptrend line. So I think the best that it's going to do is go sideways for a while. If it were to break 96 or 95.02, uh, uh, there could be a big problem with the dollar, uh, which would be positive for commodities and foreign stocks and value stocks. <clears throat> Oil uh, is fairly oversold, so it could come back. Gold. Gold breaks out, supports, breaks out, holds, and now it supports a move maybe up to as, as far as 1700 So. The leverage in the gold group would be the gold stocks. Uh, but the fact that it held is very, very positive for gold. Uh, and, and I'm seeing it in a couple ETFs. And I'm also seeing that, you know, copper made a low, a cyclical low, went up, peaked for a short term, and now it's making a higher low. You know, when demand comes in at a lower level, that's very, very positive. And uh, the groups I'm seeing improving are still technology, materials, energy, healthcare, and communication services. The weakening ones I'm seeing are utilities, real estate, discretionary, and still industrials, although industrials look like they want to turn. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about the safety stocks is that the relative performance is not picking up, okay? Semiconductors, I told you a couple weeks ago, are, are now on a tear. I'd stay with them. And financials are starting to look really, really good. We'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. You just tuned in. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. And don't forget, if you didn't hear the whole show and you'd like to, you're, you're at Home Depot getting a part for your plumbing uh, project for the weekend or you're, uh, you know, one of your belts on your lawnmower broke, uh, <laughs> you can always go to my uh, or go to WHK 1420 AM, their, their web page. And they got a lot of good stuff on there, by the way. Uh, I, I, go th- I go through their stuff quite a bit. And if you go to local podcasts and go down to Tim Hayes, it takes you directly to my webpage, but it also has all the podcasts for like a year and a half back. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you don't believe what I said, you know, or I said that we talked about uh, semiconductors three weeks ago, go back and look or go back and hear. Uh, you know, you need a nap on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> put on the headphones and uh, listen to me. Uh, put you to sleep pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I usually do it after I. I have a round of golf and I, uh, you know, I walk 18 holes. I, I come in and I, you know, listen to myself for about 15 minutes and I'm asleep. Anyway, <laughs> the bullish percent is our main risk guide. And, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it was designed by some people in the thirties and they wanted to be bullish when everyone else was bearish and bearish when everybody else was bullish. And so they, they came up with a chart, a pointed figure chart. And what it does, it looks at, how many stocks are on buy signals? So as they pick up, usually that's a positive. Okay. As they sell off, that's when distribution's occurring. And that's when, you know, you got to be a little bit more careful. And ex- especially there's two points in this chart. It goes from zero to a hundred. When it gets over 70, that's when things are red hot. When 70% of the, 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 uh, 14,000 stocks in the United States of America are, are on buy signals, you know, everybody's happy. You know, that's not when you should be happy. You should be happy when when you get down to 30, what we call the green zone, and everybody's crying in their beer. That's when you should be greedy, okay? 
Right now, we're at uh, 51.2%. And, uh, you know, we're in a column of X's. And, and uh, so we, we wouldn't turn back down around to 46. I don't think, I, I don't know. Um, I'm seeing a lot of stocks that haven't been leading start to pick up. And some of the stocks that are leading starting to, to turn over. So uh, that, that'll be... That'll be uh, a problem, I think. Uh, also, the over-the-counter index uh, is in a column of X's at 42%, which means some of the small caps are starting to pick up. So we're starting to get some of the foot soldiers uh, you know, moving along. Now, the world indexes are still in a column of O's and, and won't reverse up for a while. So um, you've got to be very, very careful in the world, you know, in the international indexes. Like, I think emerging markets, you want to be in emerging markets, but you don't want to be in China. China's not looking that great. Uh, you want to be in some of, you know, Brazil looks fantastic. Okay. So, uh, there we go. So basically what I'm saying is all the bullish percent indicators basically remain unchanged from last week. We didn't have much of a move. Uh, you know, we're down 0.3%, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But basic materials currently ranked second to last in the dynamic asset level investing, uh, sectors with 105 buy signals in its favor. It leads only energy. Okay. So, uh, which ranks dead last with 57. Um, however, we may be seeing the beginning of a turnaround for the basic material sector. Over roughly the last two months, basic material has been the most improved sector in terms of buy signals. That's, that's good. So it gained 29 signals to go to from 76 to uh, 105. And during that time, all the other domestic sectors actually lost signals with the exception of technology, which has gained one, one signal. All right. So, that's kind of interesting. Since basic materials has been the second best performing in the S&P 500 with materials sector, by the way, they'd be considered the value. Uh, their, their spider sector fund has re- returned 12.72% since 531. It's not bad. So, you know, this talk about value that I've been saying, I've been pontificating for about three months now, uh, is starting to happen. All right. Uh, the XLB is what we're talking about has also their, their fund scores has improved to over three, which is very positive. So that's uh, good. Now I looked at the, mo- the major as averages on point and figure charts and uh, most of them look fairly good. Um, the, with a couple of the frontier, like the frontier markets and Vesco frontier uh, markets uh, were down, neg- had negative momentum this week, but most of them had momentum for five, uh, for six weeks now. And they're, they're all the relative strengths in the column of X's and good things are happening. Uh, so, uh, you know, nothing really to get uh, right home about, nothing really to uh, to be fri- frightened of, for that's for sure. You know, it, it's been a mixed bag in terms of performance over the last couple of weeks as six of the major ETFs covered uh, in the table that I just talked about uh, finished the week in positive territory while four finished in the red. The best performing group was the, uh, the Morgan Stanley uh, – UEFA ETF, EFA is the symbol. It was up 0.61% last week. Uh, you know, so we're seeing things happen. Now, the one thing I did notice is the NASDAQ 100, which is top 100 in the NASDAQ, stocks in the NASDAQ, did break a double top in its uh, default chart. Uh, so that's a big positive. Um, you know, some of the, uh, the, like the S&P is up where, you know, you're wondering if it's going to come back down or turn up, but uh, we'll see. Um, we did see, uh, we, we moved from, we were down to four favored sectors. We're now up to seven. That's a big jump. 
So we have electric utilities, which are at 85. I don't know if you want to be jumping on those right at the moment. Like I said, electric utilities, the bond surrogates are kind of worrisome at this point. Waste managers at 65, so you can look at those uh, by them coming down. Semiconductors and aerospace are at 60, so you want to wait for them to come back, but there's a good place to be. Wall Street's at 55. I'm starting to see that pick up. Precious metals went to favored status this week, and so did telecom. Uh, they went up to 40 at this point. So now we only have three groups under 30. That's oil services, drugs, and oil. Uh, we do have a lot of stocks in, in what we, a lot of groups in bull confirmed status. Some of these are not favored yet, though. So these are ones you want to, you know, jot down and hope they turn back up. That's, it's, uh, biogenetics or uh, biomedics genetics, computers, drugs, forest and paper products, healthcare, household goods, media, uh, restaurants, and transports. Transports, I noticed, uh, started to show up on some of my charts, uh, this week, too. So, uh, now steel went from completely unfavored to, you know, getting there and media went uh, from average down to unfavored then we had textiles building electric move from unfavored to average and then wall street semis go to favored and then the most favored precious metals we warned you folks okay we warned you we, if you were on our list if you'd like to get on our list just uh, go to my web page you know bing or google tim hayes uh uh radio and uh, there's all sorts of email me call me you know that type of thing stuff now one thing I am noticing is that there's a big dispersion between China and Asia, and it may present some opportunities for investors looking to gain exposure to emerging Asian equities while negating the potential uh, volatility associated with China. Uh, so there's a couple funds out there that, you know, you might take a look at. You know, by the way, China's score is below three. Asia's score is well above three. But I'm noticing, uh, like the Philippines, the Philippines broke a double top and then broke another double top. Uh and there's two or three funds that look really, really good in that area. Uh, call me for, uh, you know, symbols and stuff like that. And then Thailand, the ETF there, uh, it broke a double top. So what I'm saying is emerging markets look pretty good, uh, but you got to X China and X Japan. And then Europe, there's two or three countries in Europe look really good. The rest of them look terrible. Uh, and Latin America is the same way, you know, so. Look, uh, many investors, uh, attention is once again returned to the Fed. Okay. Which is, you know, probably a problem. Uh, they're, they're getting too much press as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they'll wrap up their meeting, I think Wednesday, July 31st at one o'clock. And the clear expectation is for a decrease in federal funds. As a matter of fact, I think Mr. Powell not only hinted at it, he just basically came out, you know, almost came outright and said it. So, uh, we're, we're seeing, um, a significantly stronger than expected June jobs report that just came out, which uh, one month ago, the futures market was predicting nearly a 43% chance that the Fed funds rate would be cut by uh, 50 basis points. Within the fixed income group, the asset classes that I think that you want to take a look at, you know, we continue to see leadership from are the strong duration group. So think about that for a while. The long, I'm sorry, not strong, the long duration group. So the long-term government bonds, you know, convertible bonds, that type of thing. Commodities, oil's been positive for about four weeks. Gold just went negative, so probably going to correct a little bit. Uh, copper's been positive for four weeks, and corn's been negative for for four weeks. Uh, coffee uh, just got whacked again. I mean, it, it, it got went down to a new low, all-time new low. 
then rallied back up strong and then and then broke a double bottom and then kept going all in one week. So it was it was down nine or ten uh, uh, points uh, in, in I mean nine or ten uh, cents in a very short period of time. Um, precious metals have been uh, the spotlight lately, and and uh, they you know gold and silver both look pretty good uh, as we go. Um, gold broke a double top uh, on a couple you know versus silver, uh, so. Gold's obviously the stronger of the two to take a look at, um, and uh, just leave it at that. And and um, relative strength buy signals this week. Uh, this is important. I, if I were you, I'd be jotting these down, or I'd be calling Tim Monday. Uh, Anglo Eagle Mines, a gold company, ASA Gold and Precious Metals, Weight Watchers. You know that made a big run. We we talked about that about three years ago, and uh, it was around twelve bucks. And we talked about it making a relative strength buy signal and went all the way up to 70. So Wheaton Precious Metals, hint, 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 Taylor Morrison Home uh, Corporation, ski resorts, but they got taken over, and Forterra in the construction area. As far as sell signals are concerned, DXP Enterprises, Moraine Products, Corporation, Matrix Services, Teleron, Lear Corp, Rush Enterprises, Fed Nash Holding, uh, Fed Nat Holding, uh, Madison Square Gardens, who <laughs> was an article about the the Dalt, I mean the uh, uh, who runs it the uh, the family that runs it uh, being the worst managers in sports, <laughs> and Zenerba Pharmaceuticals, Urenda Limited, and Hertz Global Holdings. So those are names. What I would probably be doing is uh, be taking a look at uh, my fundamentals to make sure that they're still strong. Um, you know, uh, look, Britain has a new. Uh, guy running the show, Boris Johnson, and he has his work cut out for him, I think, uh, because he he's one of the guys that really pumped Brexit. Uh, there is a risk of a no-deal Brexit cannot be assumed away, okay? So I'm not exactly sure what that would do for London stocks or, or British-based stocks, but I think it would be a short-term positive anyway. Uh, you know, and I've also been noticing that the 10-year Treasury has been mimicking the track of the economy. So I mean, if you look at the, if you put GDP against the 10-year treasury, it's, they're almost exactly alike. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, we always uh, have, well, we basically have a, a show that we start out from the top. And we look at the economy, uh, we look at you know what's happening with the Fed and all that stuff, and we move on way down to uh, individual stock ideas, sometimes individual bond ideas. But we talk about relative strength buy signals. That's where you should be looking for some of your stock ideas. And, and, and then we talk about insider buys. Now, we also talk about where to pl- place ourselves on the yield curve. And if you'd like more on, the, on bonds, and look, we can, we can do ladder CDs uh, fairly regularly, and they're very... They're very timely simply because the fact that with interest rates low, what you want to be doing is having something come due all the time. And we have a bond desk that is, there's nobody, I mean, we have one of the best bond desks on the planet. Uh, and and they do magnificent work with bond ladders. So, you know, if you have a CD portfolio or something like that, or a, even a, a municipal bond portfolio, this is the time to ladder them. Okay. Uh, and we know how to do it. We're very good at it. So please give us a call. 
All right, so on the insiders, why do we look at them all the time? Well, because insiders know there's their portfolios better than we do. They know they know what's inside. If if you're going to a board meeting once a quarter, uh, you know, sometimes five times a year, you're going to know what's happening. If you're a CFO or a CEO, you know, you're going to know what's happening on a daily basis. Now, a couple things. We only look for the very large investors. We only look for large quantities or where there's 20 or, you know, well, maybe 10 or more insider buys. Okay. And uh, usually they tend to be right. Now, why do we look at insiders? Because they're right about 16, 17% more than analysts. And now analysts aren't always wrong, but what they're, what they, they tell you is what the best stock in their group is the best two or three stocks. They don't tell you the exact timing because that's not what they're there to do. They're talking about fundamentals. So these guys are pretty early, but they're usually a lot, you know, closer to the time than the analyst is in most cases. Now the analyst can get lucky and their group's in favor and they can be really good when their group's out of favor. It's a little bit harder for the analyst because he's seeing the fundamentals, not that the market doesn't like that particular group at the time. So anyway, We noticed uh, Crown Castle, which is a technology, it's a divert, it's a communication system, it's a real estate investment trust. It's down from 140 to 129, and uh, a director bought uh, 2.2 million dollars worth. It's the first buy in a long time. Now, here's something that really uh, took me back. I know Babcock and Wilcox uh, did a reverse split just recently. I think it was uh, it was down to 30 cents, so it's at 374, so it's 10 to one. And uh, Vintage Capital Managers bought $32.7 million worth of it. Uh, Babcock and Wilcox was a great company, and in, in a very short period of time, I don't know what the new management did, but they, they ran it into the ground. I mean, it was $14 back in uh, November. Uh, this is after post-split, okay? And now it's it's three seventy five. so they've not very done a very good job. It's a short dream uh, and here's one that's interesting because it's uh, ConAgra um, bought a company uh, which remained nameless, and they it the company was very poorly run. Uh, it had a great product line, so it has great potential, but it's very poorly run. In the first uh, two quarters that they owned it, they had bad numbers, and this is the first buy from anybody in ConAgra, and it just happens to be the chief executive officer. Uh, he bought. Uh, 44,000, I know, 100,000, uh, shares. No, I'm sorry. He exercised 100,000 shares and he kept 60,000 shares. So, uh, he now has 306,000, but it's the first, it was the first buy in a while. And then right after that, the two of the chief operating officers bought, uh, one bought 17,000, the other bought 13, a VP bought 13, the CFO and the CEO, you like seeing them buy. The CFO bought 18,000 shares and another VP bought 17. Now, ConAgra, you know, there's a company called Beyond Meat that is beyond me because it's it's going up for reasons I can't think of. Uh, I've tasted the product. I, I'm not a big fan. But, uh, you know, ConAgra can do it very quickly, too. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, Calvista Pharmaceuticals, a... Um, a director who's a very smart director, by the way, Chris Abbott, uh, bought a million dollars worth. And the Bank of New York, now I just say this is because Bill Daly, uh, if you're from Chicago or know anything about Chicago politics, you know the Daly family. He bought 250000 shares or $250,000 two times, uh, Bank of New York. And then one final one, 
Xiopharm Oncology. Uh, Seth Shukla, who used to be this, uh, the uh, international director for Vertex Pharmaceuticals, became the CFO this week and bought 400,000 shares. Now, Xiopharm's a big holding of Randall Kirk, uh, who's one of the better biotech guys out there. All right. Now, what are we seeing? Uh, look, we're, we're still dancing. So the market indexes are trading in this uh, fairly tight range uh, as earnings uh, reporting season continues to unfold. And it's interesting how the positive and negative earnings surprises are balancing out each other in this, in a, like a flattish performance of the indexes. So, uh, we see the indexes, uh, is peaking on a short term basis, uh, you know, and I'm just, just real short, like the past two months, maybe. But the Dow and the S&P gained around 10% over that period. Uh, you know, so it's, it was a big move up. Uh, it's funny because May, you know, which is usually a good month, got creamed in June, which is usually a bad month, got, was, was straight up. So in the meantime, I think the story is the individual companies as they report and project their future projections, uh, expectations. Because what I'm seeing is that, look, we had the company I talked to you about in the healthcare area. You know, I own some. It's it's up 26 bucks. You know, it's a great story, but they guided up when they're guiding down. I mean, Coca-Cola guided up. It was up four bucks. You know, uh, you, you have, uh, you, you know, in, Intel had a good quarter and then they said something in the conference call that didn't go over very well. And the stock was up two bucks and then faded. OK, uh, Amazon guided down. They whacked the stock. All right. So it depends on what you say uh, individually. And what's interesting is we're seeing rotation out of the FANG stocks and the big technology stocks. You know, they're getting hammered by the government. They're getting hammered by a lot of things. So you want to be a little bit more careful in that group. Uh, but there, there are other groups. You know, we talked about basic materials today. We talked about gold. There, there are things picking back up and they're value oriented stocks. You heard it here first. Uh, gold. Boy, this is a great looking chart. Uh, you know, we've had a base since 2013. We broke out of the base. We held. We broke out of the base on very high contract volume for gold. You know, love to see stocks break out on high volume. That's what it's all about, folks. That's technical analysis explained. Okay. Uh, and the, the MACD is, is fairly overbought at this point. That's a moving average convergence divergence. If you don't know what it is, you should. But the MACD line is fairly overbought, so it's got to come back down. And uh, so, look, long term, I'm still really, really bullish. And um, I think a lot has happened in the world during the past 10 years. But the market has continued to move higher. And I've been saying this since 2009. Remember, on this show, on this station, I think it was in the afternoon, though, I said in March, March 3rd of 2009, I said, we hit the bottom. It's time to buy. Nobody believed me, uh, but we've been we've been going up since then. We've made big moves, then we've had sideways movements, and we've had some pretty severe corrections. Yes, but it's still been a bull market, and that's the way it is. So, uh, look, uh, somebody asked me about the support levels. We did break like kind of a down out of a triangle pattern on the Dow. Uh, support, I think, would be around twenty six fifty, twenty six five hundred. Sorry, twenty six thousand five hundred. So. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's some Dow stocks picking up. There's some health. I mean, there's some uh, uh, NASDAQ 100, the QQQs that are starting to pick up. There's some uh, stocks in the S&P 500 that are picking up. But they're not the stocks that led. Okay. 
Um, seeing some of the stocks that led, you know, uh, ServiceNow, which is one we've, is one of those software stocks I talked to you about a year ago. And, uh, you know, it's made just a huge, like 200% move, okay? Um, they guided their earnings down. We ticked them down. That's not what you want to see in a growth stock, right? So, look, I, I think we're having volatility here, but we're not having a great deal of movement in the market. All right. So, you know, we go up about 500, 600 points and then we come back 300 points. And then, so the volatility continues to, to, to move back and forth. So it's, it's hard if you're an, an ETF guy. Uh, it's been easier with, with, with regular stock stocks. Okay. You know, uh, we recommended Square a while back and, and, uh, you know, it's up four bucks already. Five bucks. It was $12. It's now 17, 18. Boom. Just like that. You know, I don't even know if you want to buy it anymore. So, we're seeing stocks that had not been performing performing, and it, it's been pretty uh, pretty interesting. Now, one of the groups that I really really like right now is the bank index and the financials. And I've been talking about the bank index having this triangle pattern. And if it breaks to the north, I mean, look, you, there was quite a few banks that broke out Friday, and the same is with the Russell two thousand. If they break out, that would be very very positive, I think. Because uh, I think people are sick and tired of just looking at the, uh, uh, you know, the Dow Jones and the S and P 500, uh, you know, 50 stocks all the time. Uh, usually, when you have 50 stocks running the, the market, uh, the next move is for them to be going sideways or down for a while. So, what would I do now? Well, look, I, I talk about this healthcare. Healthcare is cheap. Uh, it's it's a great place. There's some small cap names that are even cheaper in this field that look really really good to me. Um, and I think it's a great place to, to start. The conference was about two months ago. Like I said, we already had one stock up big. I mean, it's up like 70 bucks <laughs> in two months, right? And uh, own a little of it, not enough of it. You know, it's just one of those uh, deals where you bought it for a couple people and then it, it popped and you said, ah, I don't want to pay up. And then it just went, it went crazy on the upside. So uh, I, I do think the dividend growth portfolio is still something you want to participate with. Because if this bull market is going, you know, uh, Bob Dickey said it was going to a big, big number, and I'm not going to quote him, but it was a big, big number at our seminar in, in, uh, in the spring. And if it's going to there, the dividend growth portfolio is going to go with it, okay? But our best idea list, our global best idea list, and also our uh, newsletter, you can get that. And and one of the things I think you want to start to, to take a look at, I think, is our uh, ADR list. Our prime income list is up a lot. I think there's only one or two stocks that you want to be participating there. If you still like it, please let us know. So all you do is go to, uh, you can call us at 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or just Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio and I show up. There's all sorts of contact or email me uh, things on the page. While you're there, look at Bob Dickey, etc. Or go, go to WHK1420 local podcast down to Tim Hayes. It goes directly on my webpage. Have a great weekend. It's supposed to be a beautiful one. This is Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.